Welcome back to the Adventist City Ministries podcast. It's me, Andrew. And I'm Jeff. I am so excited about today because we are going to dive into something called the In Christ Motif. Yeah, that sounds a little bit heavy, but we'll try to keep it as light as we can. Exactly. It's exciting because it is something that helps us to understand how the gospel works. You know, a lot of the time we we really just simplify uh, and make these general statements about how, you know, Jesus came and died for us and he loves us. And that's good, but we're also glad that there's more to it. And, you know, for those who have deeper questions about, okay, well, why does the gospel work? How do we obtain new life from Jesus? Is it just this exchange? So we'll, we'll discuss some of those questions as we start in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Yeah, and just to set the stage, it's important for us to be, I'm going to use a big word, forensic, in the way we understand the gospel as well, because God's method of, or the way he has saved us is uh, being scrutinized by the universe. Everybody's kind of looking on and saying, because Satan has come along and he's said that uh, God's ways aren't the right ways and that God is a tyrant. And so everything that God does has to be encased in love, but also it has to be just and right. And so we want to see how that works. How did God do this? How did he, um, because he loved us so much, how did he find a way to uh, make salvation work for us today. So as we uh, get to this part of Romans, it kind of talks about our forefather Adam, and, and not just one Adam, but a second Adam. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Okay, so we, we can get that first part quite easily, that that one man refers to Adam. And uh, this is interesting because Adam actually, in the, in the original Hebrew, it means mankind. And so that's, that's why humans are called mankind because we come from Adam. We all come from our, our forefather, our, the first human, Adam. Yeah, and there's, a, there's some interesting things to take note of here. And one of the things that uh, we want to watch is whenever there's a a preposition like in or through or on, or we want to see what it's referring to. So in, in this verse, it says through one man. So it's somehow through Adam, sin entered the world. And we know that story from back in Genesis, right? I'm one of these people that likes to do my um, heritage. And I've spent a lot of time going back on all sides of my family and actually in one portion of my family and my my mother's uh, family, the lineage, I can get all the way back into the 1500s in Europe. And what amazed me about thinking about that stuff is, is, is that I realized that if there was one link missing from 15 to 1500s to me, I wouldn't be because, you know, in reality, it started with the, the person that could be identified in 1500 and each succession successive generation propagated until it came to me. But in reality, I was, I was in that person way back in the 1500s. Right, so if they weren't 
born and active and living and you wouldn't be either. That's right. So there's, there's a source of our life. It's not just that um, we exist uh, apart from, from each other, but there's a, it's a chain reaction. It is a chain reaction. And, and, and if we think about it, it's most people realize that, that, that Adam was the father of us all. In a sense, we were in him when he was created, so to speak. And so that's what this verse is starting to refer to, but it goes a little deeper than that, doesn't it, Andrew? Right. So there's this unity of many concept, and, and because of what Adam did, it, it affected the rest of humanity. And there's some of you out there might be thinking to yourself, that, does, that doesn't seem fair to, to us. Like there's, It seems like, why should I uh, be responsible for you know, what somebody else did. That's why the gospel is here, because it, it brings fairness back to the equation, so to speak. Right. We, we experienced this kind of thing with even recently in our own family history. Um, like if you have a family history of alcoholism or, or whatever, you know, you can, you can say the same thing. Oh, it's not fair that, you know, I have to be brought into a family that's affected by those things. And, you know, why, why do they why do I have to be treated in such a way because of, of what my, you know, how my family has treated me. But even so, God wants to make those things right. When God sees the pain and suffering that has occurred in our, in our lives, and, you know, we can see that it goes back to our parents and then their, their parents and, and so on and so forth. But God, he can see through the whole line of human history he sees that it goes back to the first occurrence of sin, the first time that sin occurred. So he can't just deal with the recent history that we have, but he has to deal with that whole stream uh, of the human timeline and go back to the original source of when sin entered into the human family. And when you say deal, you use, you use the word deal. When you say that, you mean that he had to find a way because his love compelled him. He, uh, sin, the Bible teaches is that sin separates us from God. And so God, because he loved us with so great a love, has created a plan to reunite us and to bring us back to him. We've been talking about that plan for weeks, but now we're talking about, you know, the, the, um, the details of right. the plan. These are mechanical aspects of, right. of how this works. Right. Or technical aspects. So in verse 12, we find out that because of Adam and his sin, that death came to us all. And certainly we know that's true. Um, none of us have lived eternal life, so to speak. Right. We and, can know that everybody's a sinner because right. everybody dies. Because death came to us. And because all sinned, that's an interesting phrase when he says, because all sinned, in that it's almost like because Adam sinned, we all sinned. It's, that's kind of what he's saying there. Uh, but he's, that's, it's, the, uh, it's the corporate oneness that we're experiencing in that, or, or that is to say humanity sinned. Right. Because Adam was our representative. Right. It's, uh, it's kind of like an Olympic athlete. They are competing not just for themselves, but for their country. Mm -hmm. So when we go over to some kind of party and watch the Olympics and the family all gathers and, you know, we're cheering for our country to win USA, you know, whatever it is. 
And but if the athlete wins, we get credit. You know, the country gets sure, credit. Sure, we we actually say we won. Right, you we know, won, we even won. though we were just sitting on the couch eating food and not not actually participating. Right. So let's read on and see if we can learn more here. Uh, in verse 13, it says, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there was no law. Okay, what does it mean to uh, when it says sin is not imputed or sin was not imputed? Well, you, you can't be held accountable for what you, you don't know and for what's not given to you. Right. I mean, there, there can still be conviction of the heart. And I mean, I think you can see that in the story of Joseph when he mentions to Potiphar's wife, well, this, I can't do this thing against God, even though this was a time before the giving of the Ten Commandments. It's sort of the work of the Holy Spirit before and after the law to come to us and to, you know, convict our hearts of sin. And even though, and so that's kind of a good thing to know because there's some people that, that don't know the scriptures and so they don't know how to live their lives, so to speak. But uh, remember in Romans chapter one, it said that uh, we can see the gospel or the good news or we could see what, um, what is sinful in other people and even nature reveals it as well. So we are kind of left without excuse with regards to, you know, our, you know, how we live our lives. And so that's good to know. The question is, are we taking the time to see it? That's, you know, for people who don't uh, study the word of God, um, are they seeing God in nature and are they hearing him speak to them? Are, there, are they seeing him in other people and hearing what he has to say? Verse 14 goes on to say, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come. So in other words, the proof of this is, is that everybody died and sin reigned. Right, everybody suffered the consequences of, right. of, of their actions, even though it wasn't through a, an express commandment that they were given. Like, like Adam had a specific commandment, you shall not eat from this tree. Um, so even people, people died as a consequence of sin, even though they were only, uh, an accessory to Adam's original sin. Yeah. And I also like the word here is, uh, it kind of is pointing forward now who is a type of him who was to come. So this is a promise that somebody who was going to be like Adam was going to come and that's, of course, was Jesus Christ, and he made the difference for us. That's right. And that difference begins to show up in verse 15. You want to read that? Yeah, it says, But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Here's where all the fairness comes in. In fact, it's more than fair because it uses those words. I love those two words much more in this passage. There's so This is such a rich verse in that it starts out with the words like a free gift. There's nothing better than free. <laughs> you know, right. And especially uh, when it comes to something this serious. But, but basically the text is telling us this is... is 
is the fact is, is that by one man's discretion or one man's offense, many died. But much more, the grace of God, which is where we stand when we remember in Romans chapter 5 earlier, it says that's where we stand. The grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. This is good news is this that because the, the, the gift that he's talking about is not only the gospel, but the, the, the salvation and the eternal life that comes with that. And so the problem of death that came with Adam is countered by what Christ has done in this way. And that eternal life now, instead of death, is given to us as we receive the truth. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which comes from many offenses resulted in justification. So we should start out with the thought that when Adam sinned and we were there represented by him, essentially we were in Adam. Yeah. But as this verse tells us, you know, there's a gift and that that gift is in Christ. So we have these two opposing uh, methods of thought, these two uh, opposing. Well, how is it? I have an idea here or a question for you. How is it that um, that Jesus could um, rescue the human race? How is it that, you know, the, this, this uh, God could rescue the human race in doing what he did. I mean, that's really what we got to get to is, is does, I mean, it, it's, if, if, if he's the so, so-called the second Adam that we're looking at, how does he uh, become the second representative for right. us? Yeah, in, in the sense of Adam, we all, we all fell down, you know, we, we, we went further into ungodliness, unrighteousness because of what he did. But by Jesus coming as a person, as a man, and uniting himself with humanity, he then creates this reality of a divine human family. So no longer is humanity separated from God in the way that they were when Adam first sinned. But because of Jesus' one act of being born as a baby, living a perfect life that he would then allow us to be included in, and then his death and resurrection, he was able to allow our human nature in Adam to pass away that which brought death. Christ allowed the the natural state of death to actually pass away by allowing it to kill him. And then through the resurrection, he was able to with humanity still intact, united to himself, he allowed us to be a part of his resurrection, his rebirth. And so when he resurrected, in the same way that we died with him during the crucifixion, we were also raised up to life in him. So when we have these, these two players, Adam and Christ, we no longer have to think in our old Adam way of doing things, but we have a new experience in Christ. It's this, it's, it all adds up to what we've been, everything we've been talking about adds up 
to, to really this point, uh, this new experience and life in Christ. It's really cool because the, the, the New Testament explains it that, you know, we can choose our father now so to speak. We, we don't have to, Adam doesn't have to be our, on our lineage anymore. We can choose to be adopted or grafted in. Jesus uses those kinds of terms into, into what Jesus has done in his life. And now that we, we've said this before, now my history is now that through the history of Jesus Christ. It's not Adam's history anymore as I choose. And the Bible even talks about it in other places where it talks about the fact that we're now children of God's or that we've been adopted. And, and then that in adoption, we have the same rights as, you know, a child who's naturally born. And so this is kind of, if it, if it gets right down to it, this is just us getting a chance to choose a new father, you know, um, to, whose history is, is now become our own. Just like Adam's history, uh, before the gospel was ours and with it came death, now as we accept the truth of Jesus Christ, his history becomes ours. And I'm glad you went through those, that sequence. But in this case, what we really should focus on just for a moment is, is that Jesus became a human being. He actually was 100% God and 100% human. But it's important for us not to overlook that first part of the gospel story. Yeah, let's go back there. Yeah, we, we, we can. And even, even when Jesus came, remember what the declaration was by the angels to the shepherds in the field? They said they were bringing good joy, you know, good news. And so it was the first time there was a declaration of good news that Jesus, because Jesus had come into the world. And so it's important for us to kind of look at what, you know, happened back there and then. And... Uh, so that we can, you know, as we, because we keep saying that the life, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection is the gospel. That's the good news. We need to spend time, a little bit of time on each one of those segments as to see why. Why is it important that Jesus was born a human being? So it was important for Jesus to become a human being because it meant that not only did we have an example, but we had somebody who was able to mend the the wall so to speak uh, where we had fallen and you see that when he was tempted by the devil and he didn't rely on on human nature but he used on the divine wisdom that is available to us through the holy spirit yeah i mean we have to say because we can see through scripture that jesus was just like we were he uh got tired he got hungry he had the same um, issues with the human body that we do. It was a, a fallen, sinful, uh, not, I shouldn't say sinful, but a sin-damaged body that he received. And so, you know, he went through life much like we do, but without any kind of repercussions of sin in terms of, um, you know, he, he didn't actually experience that himself. And that's amazing. But it's also good to know that we can look at him because he relied totally on the assistance of the Holy Spirit for that to occur. And we can say, well, you know, my life could be better too if I spent more time allowing the Holy Spirit to have influence in, in, it, in it. 
So it's important for us to emphasize each one of these phases of the life of Christ as we're trying to discover this, because that's our history now. Now we're on verse 17. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So this verse just kind of comes out right out and says it, doesn't it? It just says this, that death reigned, we already saw that earlier, through one man's offense, but again, much more. I love that. Those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. Everything is through him or in him or, you know, about him. We can just take time to praise the reality that, you know, that this great uh, sacrifice was made for us and therefore we have this gift now. So Paul's going to recapitulate here for a moment and kind of see if we really know what we're hearing. In verse 18, he says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came on all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. And notice, Andrew, that it says it came to all men. Yeah, and that's important because justification is a a universal truth that he offers objectively to all people. And so it's an objective reality, an accomplished mm-hmm. task of God. Right. It's, it's not this. something that is made effective just by belief, but it's something that's already there before somebody comes to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Right. And, and how, what is the subjective notion of that then? I mean, as right. we've looked at it before, like if something has an objective... Right. The, so the objective means that it is a concrete thing. It's real. It's a fact. It's a fact, right. And, and then in addition to that, subjective is how you react to that reality. The way that you, when you come into a knowledge of, of that fact, how do, you, how do you deal with it? How do you process it? And ultimately, you know, God wants us to believe in that reality and understand uh, our our new position in Christ, and that we don't have to be like our our father Adam, but we can trust in in the gospel, the the good news that Jesus has provided us a way out of death, and we get to be with Him. And that's where the subject of faith comes in, right? Is is our faith now is targeted towards our holding fast to the the new belief that we have that Jesus has has done this, right? And it's not an easy thing to do in our lives, is it? Sometimes we, I think that's the thing that the devil tries to target the most is is to make us doubt that it's almost too good to be true what what Christ has done on our behalf. And so sometimes we we allow that to creep into our thinking, you know, and uh, we wonder, oh, am I really safe in Christ? And the reality is, yes, you are safe in Christ as you hold on with your faith. And, and, we, and some people say, well, I don't have a lot of faith, but the Bible teaches that to every man is given a measure right. of faith. Even faith is a gift. That's a gift too. We don't, we don't produce faith. We only 
accept that what Jesus has done for us is real and true, and it's more than enough for the circumstances of our lives. Yeah, there's probably people out there that are listening or who are thinking to themselves, this has been a it's been difficult for them to understand how the gospel works over time. Because most people get caught up into thinking that there's gotta be something that I need to do in this. And we get kind of hamstrung, so to speak. The reality is the thing that we do on a daily basis is say yes again to Jesus each and every day. And that, cause God's, his, his mission is complete with regards to salvation. He had all he did and needed to do is complete in Jesus Christ. Even Jesus on the cross said it is finished. And so um, I just want to encourage folks out there listening to just take hold of this idea of this free gift uh, that is much more than anything you've ever known in your life before in that it has taken you from death into life again. And that is, I mean, that is the essence of what good news is, but it also is a freedom that begins to, it, it means there's no condemnation. There's no, there's no death threat hanging over you anymore. And this is all because of what Christ has done. So just take hold of that today and allow the Holy Spirit to begin, your, your, begin to build your faith with regards to that. And because we have been unified with Christ, we have access to his good works, his righteousness, and it has the power to change our lives. It and does. I'm reminded of, of uh, the next chapter of Romans, Romans 6, verse 11, where it says, consider yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ. So Amen. we have unlimited amounts of power at our at our fingertips you know the power of the sun in the palm of our hands and we can we can do so much with that there's there's just uh, endless possibilities to who we can become you know the addictions in our lives that that god can uh, rescue us from the you know maybe the destructive thinking we've been in for such a long time that we can't seem to get ourselves out of you know God has the power to do all those things. I just want to ask you, Andrew, because I want to make sure we, we're square on this, is does, are you saying that God gives us power so we can overcome things? Or are you saying that the Holy Spirit comes in us and he begins to, through his power, begins to shape us differently? Right. We have to make that distinction because, no, it's, it's not that we need to pray, God, oh, make me stronger, because... Right we need a different kind of strength because we don't have strength to begin with. Right. So we need the power of God. We need the, the renewing of our minds through the Holy Spirit. And it's by what Christ has done. Um, it's his power that, that drives the new life. When we are coming to faith in Christ and we see the gospel, it's not a new version of our life that we are coming into, but it's actually the life of Christ. So it's not Andrew 2.0. It's Jesus glorified in all his righteousness that we are stepping into. I think people get confused on that point uh, a lot. And so I'm glad you clarified it. I think people kind of just think, now I'm saved. And now, you know, Jesus did his part. Now it's time for me to do my part. And I got to put away all my old habits. And uh, I think any, everybody out there knows how hard that is. Yeah. It's hard to even stop the simplest one. But God says, oh, wait a, wait a second. I gave you faith. I gave you belief. 
I gave you the gospel, I gave you the good news, the free gift, and now I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to dwell within you, and he's the one that will be changing you with his power inside of you. So our focus is on faith in Jesus Christ and belief that and belief on him and what he's done and and understanding and 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 praying for the continued presence of the holy spirit in our lives day by day that sounds rather easy but it's but it's because it's the essence of our life in christ now it's the very thing that the devil tries to target us on and keep us from following through with this is this is all wonderfully good news, though, because there's so many people who have been discouraged and turned away from God because they've been taught or somebody told them that uh, they just need to try harder and maybe they can overcome their sins. And when they don't, they, they feel helpless and hopeless and without strength. And uh, I just want anybody out there who might be in that, experiencing that right now, to know that Jesus anticipated uh, all of that on the cross, and he saw you there. He took you with him to the cross and your weaknesses, and they were all your sins in your past and your present and your future were taken with him to the cross, and now he offers to you the Holy Spirit as you believe. When we look at the cross, we can see ourselves there with Christ because all of humanity was there with him. Adam to the person born just before the end of time was there with Jesus hmm. on the cross. Talking about obedience, it's right there in the next verse that talks about the obedience of man and how it's, it's not our obedience, but it's Christ's obedience. It says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. And so it's, it's not our ability to, to do what God says, but it's through Christ's obedience that is then given to us because it was done perfectly by him and we were included in who he is and the process of his uh, birth, life, death, and resurrection that we have access now to his obedience. Yeah, Andrew, if you would, um, if you could if we wrap this up today, how would you summarize what we've talked about today in a few words or what would you, to make it really simple for somebody to understand? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but that's that's good. (laughs) Let's see. Jesus is calling us into a new life, not just a, a better version of ourselves, but we now have access to who he is and because of what he has done it is able uh, tr- to transform us into a new person who who doesn't have to be weighted down by the experiences of their past come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest jesus is inviting us into his rest uh, stop trying to be better Uh, in in terms of your own power and receive the gift of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Visit AdventistCityMinistries.com for more resources, including a study guide, reference compilation, and free downloads of our book, The Ephesus Model. 
You can also listen to other presentations and episodes of this podcast. See the show notes for links and more information. 